You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. We've got uh, a really cool show today. We're uh, going to be talking about connected cars and the future of transportation. Uh, a lot of advancements over the past few years uh, as far as uh, autonomous uh, cars, cars that drive themselves like the Google car and the Teslas. Uh, and, you know, we're seeing new types of transportation that might be a reality reality in our lifetime, like the Hyperloop, you know, the Elon Musk uh, special high-speed uh, tubed train. It's kind of like his vision of, of the future of transportation. And what's really cool is there's a Canadian company that we're going to talk to today that is actually trying to make that vision into a reality. And uh, that's pretty exciting for anybody that needs to get from point A to point B in really quick times. Well, you know, one important component of all this uh, technology in cars anyway, especially the, uh, the self-driving ones, uh, is that they all have to be connected. And we're seeing a lot more connections in cars. A lot of uh, manufacturers uh, offering connected vehicles that actually have, uh, uh, you know, a cell phone capability built into them so that they can get out to the internet. It's really one of the last frontiers of uh, connectivity because, you know, we talk about the connected home. Of course, we have our smartphones that are basically, we have computers in our hands and in our pocket, but the car, that's the last thing that really hasn't been connected and it's starting to happen really quickly. On the line, we've uh, got our techie friend, Akash Sablak. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on, Mike and Eddie. I, I wanted to talk about connected cars. Uh, we're seeing more and more of this. Um, I was actually down at a, a big uh, Hewlett-Packard Enterprise conference uh, down in Vegas uh, last week, and they showed all sorts of different solutions uh, that would connect fleets of cars and, and, and things like that. And, you know, the ability to actually have uh, connected parking sensors so you could find a, a parking spot right away. So this is all sounding really cool, uh, but should we be worried about the security, Akash? Absolutely. I mean, with with these features and new features that are coming through that are actually already there, a lot of them are already there, and they're coming in forward, we had definitely have to look at the security. Now, I go back to the old days when we had Herbie the Love Bug. Here's a car that could do everything by itself, but, you know, it had a mind of its own. And that's what we need to make sure is that when we get this technology into these cars here, we've got all the, the options that, that we could possibly imagine. How do we keep them safe? And more importantly, how do we keep the occupants safe? and, of course, the people around them safe. So what's happening is you've got a lot of connected cars that are already out there doing things that are making our lives a little bit easier. I'll give you an example. Uh, BMW has a connected drive where I know that I'm going to be stopping at three different locations today. I can pull up my smartphone, use the BMW remote app, and send my car those three addresses. When I go and sit down in my car, the addresses are already there. I can lock the doors. I can turn on the air conditioning. These things are already there. And you were just talking about the parking. Now, those are the things that are going to make our lives a lot easier. But, of course, comes with the connection is the ability to, to hack it, to hack into it. And now you've given up control of your vehicle to somebody else. I've seen videos on, on YouTube about, uh, you know, hackers getting in and shutting off a car, which is kind of scary. So it's there. Uh, you know, hackers can get into literally anything. Why not cars? So, uh, you know, there's a couple things as far as security, Akash. You know, one for me is the privacy issues, which probably could do like two shows full of that. Uh, but, yeah, to your point, the, the safety issue. If someone hacks your car, um, that, that could be dangerous. The, the ba- exactly. And the basics, what's going to happen is, is most people will not hack a car for the sake of hacking. I mean, most people will do it for an intent. And, and the biggest intent is to steal the vehicle. Because a lot of these cars now, you can hit, you can lock it from almost anywhere in the world. You can call in a service that will, like OnStar, that will unlock your vehicle. Now you're giving that access to somebody that shouldn't have it and can go and unlock your car and steal your car. 
you don't need the keys anymore. So that's one part of it, of, of the, the vehicle itself. And then, of course, is the safety, personal safety. What information does your car tell about you? Does it give your home address? You know, a lot of times I've, in my, in my navigation system, I do not put my home address in the nav. I have an address near my home because most people, what do they do? They type in home as their saved address in their navigation. Hmm. I think I should change that now. <laughs> That's a really good point, Akash. So, you know, those are the things that the little things that you can do. And a lot of these cars, and believe it or not, like when you hit the gas on these cars or you turn the steering wheel, you're actually not touching a mechanical component anymore. It's all electronics. You're turning the steering wheel, which is sending a, a signal to a motor that's turning your front wheels. You're hitting the brakes. It's all motors that are running in there. So now you've got these cars that are not actually physically connected to any mechanical means. It's all electronics which means that now they can actually be controlled by outside, and that's how these autonomous driving is going to be working. We're already there as far as the components of the hardware is concerned. Those are the things that need to be protected. Now, those systems, however, do have redundant systems. So if your steering wheel motor was to, to go down, you still have some sort of steering control partial with the, uh, with the mechanical backup system. Do you think the manufacturers, the car manufacturers, are doing enough for security? Like, like for instance, like Tesla. Do you think that they've really taken uh, security to mind when they're creating, like, you know, their upcoming Model Three? I think so. You know, I mean, they. I know there was an incident where the gentleman had said that his wife had hit the gas and went through a uh, shopping mall parking lot, hit the barriers and everything, and they went back and so they they got the so-called black box in the vehicle checked it, and sure enough, it was driver error. She had hit the accelerator pedal instead of the brake pedal. So, yes, those are the things for a post that we can check that, yes, what actually happened in the vehicle during the accident. Now, to pre- preventive maintenance, preventive measures, those are the things that really need to be installed in these vehicles before you do anything else. I'm a bit old school. I like to drive. But if I'm going to take advantage of the features that autonomous driving offers, I definitely want to have those security things in place. Otherwise, you know, I want the option to switch it off. I'm I'm concerned that uh, you know it's not like we're not completely trackable now, but in your car, like all that information's going out there as to where your location is. Absolutely, it's one more device now that that can be uh, given to somebody of where you are, and the phone is bad enough because that's on you 99% of the time for most people. Um, some places it shouldn't be on you when you take a shower, for example. I've seen that happen, but. There's there's a vehicle now that your physical location is there, and uh, you know it, it is a safety thing. You know, are you picking up you know, from home? You're dropping your kids to school. This is the information that you really don't want out there. But you know, the horse really is out of the barn now, so to speak. You know, we're not going back. Like in the future, uh, you won't be able to buy a non-connected car. It'll it'll most likely have to have a connection so that it can uh, connect with the transportation grid. Well, you know what's funny, Mike, is you, now we're seeing traditional security companies like Symantec are getting into the connected automotive security field for that reason. They know that this is the next frontier. You've got Norton antivirus for my, <laughs> You're get for my Ford Focus? Is that, <laughs> that's, there'll be an update every three weeks, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's going to help. And it, and it slows my, my it car slows down. Your computer yeah, down yeah. And, <laughs> but but I, I think, Akash, that's really where it's going to head because... We have to remember, and this is what happened with our phones. Our phones turned into computers. Now our cars are going to be computers as well. Well, they absolutely are. They, they already are. I think there's more computing power in a car right now than we had in a desktop even just, say, three years ago. You know, with Apple CarPlay, with Google Play, with the, all these items that are now in the car, you've duplicated the desktop right in your vehicle. And, you know, the vehicle can basically do anything and get you anywhere you want 
without even pulling your phone out. And I mean, that, that is a benefit. That is a safety feature. But you're right. There is, there, every vehicle that's going to be produced from now in the future is going to have the connected ability in it. And it's going to be up to us. And I think it's really important that we decide which features we're going to allow or we're not going to allow. Some point, I'm sure it's going to be mandated that you know to to help other drivers and traffic control and everything like that. There's going to be some sort of tracking for your particular vehicle, just to get a density, you know, on Broadway or Main Street. Like, what is the density of the vehicles at that particular time to help with traffic flow? It'll be interesting. I I, I think we're. Uh, I mean, the technology is definitely there, but it you know, as you know, it takes a while for something this big to actually infiltrate all aspects of, you know, a, a certain area or industry. So uh, I I, th- I think we're probably still 15, 20 years away from, like, a mass-connected car grid. Oh, I think so. And I also, and, and difference between cars and computers is if you have a computer that's 10 years old, you're most likely to get rid of it. You're not going to upgrade it. You're not going to keep it running. There's a very slim chance of that. But you have a 65 Mustang you're not going to get rid of that just because now there's a connected cars. You're going to drive that car because it's a beautiful vehicle to drive. And that's what's going to happen is that you're never going to get 100% adoption with these items because you're still going to have people that are driving older cars. And, of course, uh, it's going to take maybe 15, 20 years to clean out everything or to move up, upgrade to everything, and then a little bit longer till all the old vehicles are off the roads. Akash, I want to thank you uh for uh, helping us out on the show here today with uh, your insights. Is there some place people can find out more information about you? Uh, you can uh, hook me up on uh, Twitter at uh, Akash Sablok or my website and nowyouknow.net. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk Hyperloop, new transportation for the future, something that uh, Elon Musk uh, has uh, dreamed up and uh, is pushing or challenging other companies to develop. And we'll hear from one of them. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. Today's show is all about connected cars and the future of transportation. And uh, I'm excited about this next segment. Uh, This is uh, something kind of cool. Not a car, a connected car, but uh, kind of uh, a future train. It's uh, something that uh, Elon Musk uh, has uh, been pushing. He's uh, the guy behind Tesla. Uh, and SpaceX, Sol- SpaceX, Solar City, um, and Hyperloop. It's uh, a system that could potentially get you from Toronto to Montreal within uh, an hour. On the line right now, uh, we've uh, got a guest. His name is Sebastian Sebastian Gendron, founder and CEO of Transpod uh, here in Canada. Thanks for joining us, Sebastian. Thank you. Can you explain to our listeners what uh, the Hyperloop concept is? So it's it's actually uh, an idea which has been around for uh, more than 100 years now, and uh, it's been popularized recently, like you said, by um, Elon Musk. And we're talking about uh, vehicles, uh, small vehicles like the size of uh, a train coach. Uh, you ride them, so you, you install them in the, uh, in the tube structure, uh, which is kind of in a, a low-pressure environment, just to remove uh, friction. And then you... You, uh, you move uh, those uh, vehicles using uh, electrical engines, and as you don't have uh, much friction in that tube, uh, you're able to achieve uh, kind of a significant, uh, significant speed. So, you know, all sorts of technical challenges here. I mean, it's a very exciting concept, and like you said, it's been around for a while, um, uh, kind of becoming popular idea again. Obviously, technology uh, offers uh, a lot of uh, tools to potentially make this happen, but uh, like you're saying, um, 
you've got to make these these tubes, uh, which is one challenge, uh, you know, long distances, but also the um, the cars themselves inside uh, the tubes. Um, tell us about uh, your company, Transpod, and, and what you guys are doing to solve some of these challenges. So, we, like uh, like you said, we started uh, that uh, Transpod one year ago, and to work on this uh, on this concept and uh, and really to be able to propose a new transportation system. Uh, when you look around, uh, uh, cars, trains, uh, boats have been around for quite a, a long time now, and it's uh, we're in the 21st century, so it's really time to uh, to propose something uh, new and, and innovative. And um, so we're working on the techno, and the beauty of that idea is that the, the technology today has been already developed for the aerospace industry. Uh, most of uh, most of what we're looking for have been, uh, is around. Like if we're looking at the cabin system, it's a similar technology that uh, what aircraft is using. Uh, we need a, a compressor as well. Uh, the compressor is similar to what has been developed for uh, jet engine aircraft. Uh, we're talking about uh, a capsule uh, made uh, of uh, composite uh, fibers, similar to an aircraft fuselage. Um, so we, with, uh, with the University of Toronto, uh, some students, some former colleagues, uh, engineers, we started to work on that. And, uh, and the more we work on it and the more it looks uh, feasible and kind of obvious that it's becoming, it's an emerging market and becoming the next uh, transportation system. Well, it's kind of exciting. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of, uh, you know, as we were saying, technical challenges. These, uh, these uh, cabin cars, you know, have to go through uh, these tubes, and there's really not really much air inside there. So uh, the air inside the actual uh, cabin cars, uh, where's that coming from? So the, we, um, we're looking at similar system than uh, what uh, submarines are kind of uh, using, or even uh, a similar system that what uh, people uh, and like astronauts are using on the international space stations, and also like I said before, it's not uh, so those those systems have been um, uh, developed, and uh, we kind of uh, tweaking them and uh, and use it for what we're looking for, uh, and <laughs> yeah. Yes, and so even if uh, we have some technical challenges, even in the tube, uh, you, you, we were saying that we have to be in a, in a low-pressure environment. Uh, we've been in contact with one company which is doing industrial pumps, uh, which uh, can reach those levels of uh, pressure. Uh, so those, those products are already on the market. They've used them for the um, uh, particle accelerator in uh, Switzerland. Uh, to reach those vacuum uh, values as well. Uh, so we we kind of working uh, all together to put those uh, existing technologies uh, working well. And so far, it's not that uh, we expect to uh, to get uh, like the the detailed design uh, ready by end of 2017, like all the research and development to be finished in uh, so one year and a half aware from now uh, so and the, the product itself uh, to be uh, built uh, by uh, 2020 so it's kind of four or five years down the road and then I will have to build the line and, uh, and get it ready. Sebastian there's a lot of R&D involved when you're trying to kind of basically create a new transportation system how are, how are you getting funded how is Transpod being funded right now? 
So we have lots of support from um, institution uh, funded by the uh, Kenyan government uh, with uh, research grants as well through the uh, University of Toronto. So we're taking full advantage of that. So after so <clears throat> we we end the um, the process to uh, to close the first round of funding for 50 million by um, end of uh, this year. Uh, so far, we have secured almost 20, and we're in the process to secure 30 million from uh, private investment. And we we have lots of interest from existing uh, companies, uh, industrial companies, uh, big transportation players, uh, which are interested. So we 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 should be successful. We'll do some announcement, uh, hopefully by September October, that the first round is uh, is successful. And you said, are you you're going to actually build a, a working prototype? So that's working prototype. Um, so, like you you just said, the R and D phase, uh, we have uh, still one and a half years to two years uh, research and development, and we'll start to build the prototype uh, by uh, uh, 2018. We'll start to do that. Uh, now, what we plan to present at the um, InnoTrans Rail Show, which is a major event uh, in the uh, real world, world uh, is a first concept. So the, the, the concept design uh, will be presented uh, uh, next September, but not the prototype, uh, not the physical uh, uh, prototype itself. Exciting stuff, Sebastian. Where can people find out more information uh, about Transpod? Uh, so feel free to visit us on uh, on our website, so transport.ca, and uh, you can follow us on Twitter and uh, LinkedIn as well. That was Sebastian Gendron, founder and CEO of Transpod, talking about uh, Hyperloop technology. Mm. Little uh, cabins or capsules going through uh, tubes. It's it's amazing. If this if this happens, you know, we definitely know that we've reached the future because uh, the the speeds are remarkable. Toronto to Montreal in one hour. Yeah, and I, I was reading like L.A. to New York, uh, I think four or five hours. It's just amazing. In, yeah, I, it is amazing. Uh, you know, I think we're obviously a few years away because that would take a long time to build a tube <laughs> from yes. like New York to uh, uh, like L.A., but, you know, maybe shorter corridors like the Toronto-Montreal, uh, Boston-New York, mm-hmm. that uh, kind of thing, or L.A. to San Francisco. When we come back, we still got more connected cars and the future of transportation. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. We're talking all about connected cars today here on Get Connected and the future of transportation. On the line right now, uh, we've got Doug Newcomb. He's the president and co-founder of the C3 Group. He's uh, a journalist who's uh, covered car technology for over 25 years. Has there been enough technology in cars for 25 years, or Doug? <laughs> Well, it's really gotten interesting in the last five years, Andy. Uh, I, I've, said, I've been covering this for a long time, as you said, over 25 years. And I tell you, the last few years have just been incredible. There's no better time to cover this space than right now. Uh, it's just just unbelievable the amount of things that are happening, uh, one of which is self-driving cars, but that's only one of the things that are, are occurring right now. Well, this is making a lot of news over the past couple of years, uh, autonomous cars. Uh, you know, we're, you know, heard a lot about the Google self-driving car over the past several years, mm-hmm. uh, but we're now seeing this technology actually being incorporated into vehicles that we can buy. Uh, Tesla right. is quite famous for it. Uh, I, I know Volvo is uh, trying it out as well. Have you tried these, these vehicles? 
I have. You know, and when people ask me, they say, when are we going to have self-driving cars? My response is usually, you know what? We have them now. Um, you know, there's cars that can pretty much drive themselves. If I have a YouTube channel and you can see, a, I think it was two, maybe three years ago, I was testing a Mercedes-Benz E-Class. It has radar cruise control, you know, adaptive cruise control, so it can stay, you know, keep maintaining speed relative to the car in front. It has lane centering. You can take your hands off the wheel, and the car drives itself, except Mercedes-Benz has sensors in the steering wheel. So if you don't uh, have your hands on the steering wheel, it'll defeat the system. But, you know, Audi uh, Q7 I recently tested. Last week I was in Spain testing the new um, uh, Volvo S90. They have a system called uh, Pilot Assist 2. And same thing. I mean, the cars are pretty close. And, and I'll add... I've probably ridden in about a half a dozen autonomous cars, everything from the Google cars to ones from Continental, Volvo, and it's pretty impressive. The technology is pretty impressive. It's here. I mean, cars can pretty much drive themselves already. Are we ready for it? That's the question. I don't I don't think we're ready for it in two ways. One is, I don't think users are ready for it. i, I got to tell you, I mean, testing the systems... It is a big leap of faith to let go of the wheel. I was testing this S90 in Spain last week on unfamiliar roads, and, you know, it takes a certain amount of, uh, uh, I, I, of, of faith to <laughs> let go of the wheel. Uh, and, and the system did pretty well. i got to say, you know, I, I'm not ready to totally trust the semi-autonomous systems yet because, like, for example, this S90, it worked really well, um, but, you know, it, it sort of drifted from side to side. It would, you know, I, I asked my, my uh, co-pilot who was with me, he's like, are you feeling that? I mean, the car would kind of drift to one side and drift to the other. So it was made me a little uncomfortable in that sense. So I think that, no, I think that most people aren't ready for it. But you know what? I think like any technology, once it is perfected, once it, uh, you know, becomes more mainstream, it's going to be like flipping a switch and people are going to be like, yeah. You know, why did I ever drive in the first place? At least some people. You know what I'm saying? Do you think it's going to be safer? I definitely think it'll be safer. I mean, I always tell people, like, I test probably, well, I know, over 50 cars a year, pretty much a car a week. And, you know, these systems that are leading to self-driving, you know, adaptive cruise control now. Uh, we have systems that will forward collision warning with auto braking, um, you know, Rear systems like that, blind spot detection, yes. Uh, I did a story, I did, a, I did some research. A, um, a German study said that if we had like four of these systems on the cars, we could cut down on a third of the accidents and a third of the fatalities, actually. So, yes, the, these, you put it this way. The sensors, cameras, you know, they're not texting while they're driving. They're not changing the radio station. They're not yelling at kids in the back. They're looking forward, looking around all the time. So, yes, I definitely think that it's safer than human drivers. How far do you think we're away from self-driving cars that, you know, literally I could go into my car in my garage, put in, you know, my work address and have it drive me the entire way and park the car for me as well? We're pretty close to that, you know, and I would say, again, as, my, as I mentioned in the beginning, we're, they're, they're, they're available now. I mean, the technology is available now. One, we have to work out, you know, and it's, I think it's a lot of technology. I've been hearing a lot of people say that, you know, it's that last kind of 10%, some of the details, that, you know, doubles in the details, right, that we have to work out. 
I, and I think that people aren't really, I might be included, are totally comfortable with it yet. The other big impediment is regulation. Uh, technology moves much faster than regulation, and I know the people in, in Washington, D.C., here in the U.S., are really, really trying to figure it out because the technology is moving really quickly. But you know what? I would say, I mean, you know, several automakers have said, you know, 2020. I think it will be a little bit longer, 2025, but... You know, it's inevitable um, uh, where where the car is going to be able to drive itself. Doug, one of the things that we've talked a lot about on this show is what happens when one of these autonomous self-driving cars gets into an accident? Like from an insurance mm-hmm. point of view, who's liable? Right, right. That's a big another big thing that that needs to be figured out. But you know, I think the lawyers are going to figure that out. The attorneys. Some interesting work has been coming out of Stanford here in the U.S. around robotics. Um, and, you know, what are the legal um, uh, legal frameworks around robotics? And I think about something of someone from Audi, the president of Audi, Scott Keogh, said at an event, said, look, we've had adaptive cruise control for 10 years. You know, there hasn't been any lawsuits. You know, there hasn't been any big accidents that we know of. So, you know, I think that, that that's what a lot of people are focusing on. But I think that well, you know, that's going to be figured out. I mean, it was uh, Mercedes-Benz, and I think Volvo uh, have said, we will accept liability for any accidents that happen in our autonomous cars or cars that we provide. So, you know, I'm not really that concerned about that. You know, again, you know, these these companies have teams of lawyers to, to figure that out. I wonder if there's going to be a time in the future, down the road, so to speak, um, you know, I, I think we can all agree it's, these self-driving cars are probably going to be safer than humans driving cars. Will it come to a point where they won't let us drive the cars anymore? Like we're too dangerous <laughs> to be driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an interesting article uh, a couple of uh, months back in uh, Time Magazine, and they brought up that sp- specific um, scenario that you know, if we reach a point where you know there's so many self-driving cars on the road and we, we will see, you know, I know on this in, in the U S there's 30,000 people that die every year in car accidents and, and, you know, working with organizations here in the U S like, like AAA and, and it's a, you know, mentioned that to be like a 747 going down every week. I mean, huge numbers. Um, um, but, you know, I think that, I think that we will see that, you know, come on board really quickly is the, you know, the adoption of the technology. And, you know, just another final thought on this topic. Uh, I just wonder about certain industries as, you know, this technology moves forward and we get more of these autonomous cars, uh, like insurance, like it's a multi-billion dollar uh, business, you know, car insurance. Right. Like, if we're not crashing our cars anymore because the cars can drive themselves and they're like a hundred times safer, uh, you know, that is an industry that's going to lose a lot of money. And then, you know, auto parts as well, like replacement parts, uh, you know, yep. for crash cars. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I do a series of events. We're doing an event in New York next week, our fourth annual uh, Connected Mobility Conference, and we talk about these issues. And in fact, we're having a panel on that next week. Uh, talking about the, the societal and economic impact, like you said, you know, there's, there's Google, their self-driving car, they don't have airbags in it. You know, they don't need high-strength steel or, or, you know, all these different safety uh, um, things that, you know, that, that automakers have. Uh, I'm not sure if that's what we're going to see, but you're right. I mean, what if we don't have crashes? What's going to happen to the insurance industry? What's going to happen to the auto parts industry, the auto body industry? What's going to happen to... Drivers, think about, you know, 
Daimler is testing uh, self-driving big rigs, um, a Freightliner. They're, they're a Freightliner brand. Think about if, if you know, all these um, uh, drivers are out of business. Lots to think about. Doug, if you don't mind hanging on the line, I, I want to talk about another story that I found really interesting. Uh, a developer down in uh, San Francisco uh, basically having a development that will pay you not to own a car. Right, which is right. kind of cool. So let's uh, let's <laughs> yeah. just tease that, and we'll uh, take a quick break here. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here in the Chorus Radio Network. When we come back, more on connected cars. You're back with Get Connected, it's Mike and Andy here talking about. Uh, all about connected cars and the future of transportation uh, in this show. On the line, we uh, still got uh, our friend Doug Newcomb. He's the president co-founder of the C3 Group. Uh, Doug, where can people find out more information uh, about uh, all your auto reviews and, and what have you? Sure, sure. Yeah, they can go to c3report.com. Uh, I also have my own website, dougnewcomb.com. But a lot of our coverage of C3 report, is on C3 Report. I also do a lot of reviews for PCMag.com and the weekly column for them, as well as Forbes.com. Uh, so you can find my stuff all over the web. Very cool. So, um, uh, yeah, thanks for the opportunity to talk with you guys today. So I wanted to keep you on the line here. This was a really interesting story. Uh, a real estate development down in San Francisco. Obviously, uh, if you've ever driven down there, very busy as far as uh, traffic. Right. Uh, they want to build uh, an 8,900-unit residential development, and uh, they want to offer residents uh, a monthly transportation uh, stipend to not own a car. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of gives you an idea of where things are going. And I think, I think you know, we we write a lot, and I, I talk a lot about connected car, and we do events around connected car, but really we're seeing the shift to what's known as connected mobility and, and really the car being part of this larger ecosystem. And what we're seeing, I have two nieces that live in San Francisco. One owns a car, one doesn't. The other one that, that doesn't own a car has been there for about two years. She has no interest in owning a car. Uh, doesn't think she even has a driver's license because, you know, she uses Lyft and Uber and public transportation, rides her bike. And I think this is a good example um, where, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing this shift, especially in urban areas where, you know, think about it. Owning a car is, is, is kind of a pain. I mean, you think about this, this big investment that you make in the car, then you have to pay for insurance, you have to pay for parking, uh, you know, gas. So a lot of people are saying, you know what, I'll just take, I'll just use different forms of mobility, uh, some of the ones I mentioned. So it's interesting, this developer in San Francisco connected with Uber and said, we will pay you $100 a month not to uh, own a car, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking cynically they want to use the parking space to build more condos or more condo space. Of course. But, you know, and, and, and yeah, and $30 of that has to be spent on Uber. Um, but they also, I think they, they give you free rides to for, via Uber to some of the uh, main transport hubs around there. So really it's an indication of kind of a bigger trend where, you know, it's called uh, mobility as a service where you may pay, you know, uh, and I can elaborate uh, on that, where you pay a certain amount a month and you use that towards different mobility options and, and instead of owning a car, for example. Well, you know, it's uh, you know similar to downtown Vancouver here now. I, I you know, have a, a bunch of younger uh, folks that work for me, uh, you know, millennials, and mm-hmm. most of them don't own cars. They just use uh, the car um, sharing services that we have up here, like Zipcar and what's the other one? Go. Well, we have uh, yeah, Car2Go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so yep, they pay like yep, a monthly yep, fee and, and then yep. just rent these cars hourly. 
Yeah, exactly. I think we're seeing a shift. You know, and I've, you know, it's been a couple of years now. People are asking, "Hey, is is you know at least in the U.S.? I'm sure it's the same way in Canada. You know, are we seeing the end of the love affair with cars? Uh, I look at my own kids. I have I have a, a daughter who's 17 now, and my son's 15. Uh, my daughter, we had to force her to go get her license. We basically said, <laughs> "We're tired of driving you around everywhere. You have to get your license." My son said he couldn't wait to get his license when he turned 15, but it's been several months now. I mean. Boy, I don't know about you, but when I turned 16, I was down at the DMV getting my driver's <laughs> license that day. Me, me too. Yeah. I, think, I think, you know, <laughs> you too, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's different these days. And, and I think a lot of people have pointed to the fact that, you know, my generation needs your car to go and connect with your friends, hang out. Now kids have, you know, devices. They don't, you know, they're on their devices all the time connecting with their friends. They don't need to get in the car. Uh, so, so I think we're seeing that shift, and then we're also seeing a big shift towards urbanization, uh, and it's predicted to get even larger, where, you know, cars don't work that well in urban places like Vancouver or especially in, in, in China or India. So we're starting to see these other – and you mentioned Daimler Car2Go is a good example. Uh, Mercedes-Benz, you know, Daimler's parent company – uh, the, the parent company's Daimler, they have invested heavily in Car2Go and several other different ride-sharing um, uh, apps and car-sharing. Same way with, with, with GM. Just this year, GM made up half a billion-dollar investment in Lyft. Uh, so you're starting to see the car companies saying, hey, we may, not be, we may not be selling a lot of cars in the future, but people are still going to need to get uh, from point A to point B. I say that. Andy, but I am a huge car fan. You know, I mean, we, we've talked about this. I, 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 I rue the day when we can't get in the car and drive, you know, but it's going to be a very interesting future for sure. Doug, I want to thank you so much for uh, joining us on the show. Again, that's Doug Newcomb, president, co-founder of the C3 Group. Again, uh, website they can get you at? Yep, c3report.com. Uh, you can kind of keep up with all the stuff we're talking about. So I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. Thanks again for joining us, uh, Doug. When we come back from the break, it's that time of the week, app of the week with Christina Soyanova. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. We've got a little bit of time left for app of the week with Christina, who's in studio. What have you got for us? I have an app to help you sleep today. I like it. I like it a lot. So how does this work? It's called My Sleep Button. And it's actually based on cognitive science. My, so. s- my sleep button? Yes. <laughs> okay, it sounds kind of weird, but <laughs> <laughs> here's my sleep button. I don't get to pick the names, Mike, okay? No, clearly not. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, how does it work? So what it does, uh, you'll notice sometimes when you're trying to go to sleep, your brain will wander in a million directions. For me, this is detrimental sometimes. I can't get to sleep because my thoughts are moving so fast. So this actually reads out words to you to associate your brain to different things so that it keeps it focused on that word association so it can't run away with your to-do list or things that you're worried about, et cetera, et cetera. Like, like what? How does it, like what? Like cow, <laughs> milk, <Maybe>. yeah. <laughs> chocolate so you can set a timer and it will just read words to you like random words yes this sounds really weird there are theme packs um (laughs) yeah (laughs) like the charlie's angels theme pack or okay farm theme pack (laughs) so i don't i don't understand how this is going to help me sleep well it keeps your like i said it keeps your brain 
uh, from running away with your thoughts on things that. But you, now my thoughts are going to go somewhere else. Yes, but it reads out a new word to you every couple minutes. Yeah. Or a few seconds or whatever. So um, it keeps you focused on that, on the word association. It's, it still sounds kind of. Do I have to pay for this? Uh, so it's a free app, so you can try it for free. Yeah. But there are in-app purchases for in-app the, purchases the pack for for better words. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yes, like there's a scenes pack, so okay. maybe it's gonna list a bunch of scenes to you, and you have to imagine the scenery. Okay. I still don't know how this is gonna work, but I'll, I'll have to take your word for it. I don't understand why you're I confused. You, okay, I want you to try this because I know you complain sometimes that you can't you know you didn't get well and that's this is the reason that i can't because i'm constantly running through a to-do list or focusing on something that i'm worried about or that's not going well in life or whatever yeah that's the one detrimental thing to my sleep i can't fall asleep if i've got those things running through my mind so if this is keeping your mind focused on something else then arguably it should help you get to sleep my sleep button, free to try, and then you can buy more words. Exactly. That sounds like a, <laughs> sounds like a winner. Uh, available for iOS and Android? Yeah, that's right. Very cool. Christina Stoyanova with App of the Week. I want to thank her for joining us uh, in studio. And, of course, Andy Barrar, my co-host and producer. This is Mike, Andy, and Christina logging off. We'll see you again next time.